Is that really in the Bible? Well, we were all born into a ready-made world of religion. I, uh, I don't think any of us ever questioned it. We, we assume the traditions around us come uh, straight from the Bible. Most people are educated by the Bible, by what they've been told by others. My minister said so. It's the greatest authority they have. Uh, they wholeheartedly put their trust in another's opinion about the Bible. Well, in seminary school, a man or woman is taught a theology about the Bible. It's a uh, set of beliefs that the student assumes is right. We never ask the question, what if there is some error in the things I've been taught about God? And the real problem is, these errors are passed on to the congregation as absolute truth. Hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? There is hardly a subject that is more debated than Sabbath keeping. You know, if you tell someone, well, I keep the seventh day Sabbath, all of a sudden you're going to be hit in most cases, not all, but in a lot of cases you're going to be hit with all kinds of excuses that the person will have for not keeping the Sabbath. And, you know, and, and one of the reasons I put together this DVD is basically I got tired of hearing all the excuses. Now, this is not all the excuses. I mean, it's a never-ending journey. People are always coming up with new reasons as to why the Sabbath day is not important. But I think for us, for God's people, instead of always feeling we have to defend our faith, that we have to answer all the arguments against the Sabbath, I think it's time for us to start making people defend their faith. In other words, please give me your systematic Bible study on Sunday worship. I don't really need you to tear apart the Sabbath. That's not what I'm asking you to do. What I need from you, I need you to prove to me why you're keeping Sunday, the first work day of the week, why you keep that day. That's what I need from you. I don't need you to tear apart the Sabbath day. That's not the issue. In other words, why, what I'm struggling with is I need, to, I need you to, to defend your faith and prove to me I need to see your systematic Bible study on Sunday keeping so that I can go through it and study it and look at all the scriptures. So I just think, you know, as, as God's people, it's time we, instead of always feeling we have to defend our faith, we need to start asking questions and turn that around and make them defend their faith. So anyway, I hope this DVD will help build your confidence, and I hope it will help you minister the truth to others. Excuses for not keeping the Sabbath, there are many. Not very good ones, by the way, but there are many. Uh, let's see, what else have I heard? Oh, oh, I know. Uh, well, how can you know when the Sabbath is? Uh, time's been lost. We don't know that the seventh day is the seventh day. Maybe the seventh day is the first day. Maybe the first day is the fourth day. Maybe. Time's been lost, how can you know? Which day is which? Well. First of all, have you ever lost track of what day it is? I'm sure you have. I have too. 
What did you do? You said, excuse me, sir, do you, what day is it? And that person turned around and said, I don't know. And he turned around, hey, what day is it? We don't know. It gets on the intercom, excuse me, all Walmart shoppers, does anybody in this Walmart know what day it is? Answer, no, no one knows in Walmart what day it is. And then you go out and maybe you call it the President of the United States. Do you know what day? No, he doesn't know. No one knows. And, you, and, and, and no one knows. No one knows. There's a time in history when everybody went brain dead and forgot what day it was. Well, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So the illusion that, well, we all lost time is just an illusion. I mean, that, that weekly cycle of seven-day period, weekly cycle, six days of work, one of rest, the Sabbath day, the seventh day, has always been in existence. It's always been in existence. Now, here's what you're responsible for. You're responsible for what you know is right. Get your dictionary and look up the first day of the week. Look up the word Sunday. What does it tell you? Well, yeah, it tells you that the day that most people go to church on, they're wrong, but it is the day that most people go to church on. But it will also say the first day of the week. Then look up in your dictionary the word Saturday, and it will say the seventh day of the week. And then you connect that up with the fourth commandment that says keep the seventh day of the week. You are responsible for what you know to be right. And you can know what is right. You just don't want to know. Early church met regularly, first day of the week. No, that's a lie. Okay, Acts 20 and verse 7. Let's take a look at that one. Acts 20 and verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto to them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Okay, let's understand what's going on. First of all, Paul kept the Sabbath. And he's preaching on Saturday. And he's, he's long-winded, and he preaches, you know, Saturday evening rolls around, and then sunset, he's still preaching. And he preaches on through, and now at sunset Saturday evening, what do you have? you got a new day. It's the first day of the week. When the sun sets Saturday evening, then it's Sunday. Okay, he's still preaching. On up into midnight, ready the next day on the morrow, you know, to... to to uh, leave, ready to depart on the next day, which was Sunday. Okay, what does this tell you? It tells you the man was long-winded. He preached the Sabbath, he preached all the way into the first day of the week, and he's still preaching, okay, up until midnight. All right, that's what it tells you. It tells you the man was long-winded. Does it tell you to change the day of worship? No, well, not. who would come up with that? Who would say, well, you see, that means we're supposed to meet on Sunday. Now, how do you get that? How do you get that? It just means that the man was long-winded. And this one is under the reference of all the New Testament church went to church on the first day of the week, the first work day of the week. No, they did not. Now, let's look at this reference. This is supposed to be proof that the church was doing this. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 1. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. Now, let me stop right there. First of all, there was a famine in the land, and Paul is going around to different churches, gathering foodstuffs, whatever it takes to relieve these people from this famine, famine that is in the land. And the churches are going to get together 
You know, they're going to put all this stuff together. They're going to work, 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 and put all this stuff together. And Paul's going to come by and get it. Okay? This is what's going on. Now, let's notice 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, which is, what, Sunday, the first work day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. What is Paul saying? He's saying, I'm going to come by there on Sunday. Make sure everybody lays by in store. Get your stuff together. Get all your food stuff together so that I can take it down and we can have this famine relief program that we're working on. Look, he, he's saying, get it together before I come there. On the first work day of the week. This is work, folks. Getting your stuff together, laying it by in store, having it all packed up so that when I come by there, you won't be out there, you know, uh, thinking, well, I got to get this and I got to get that. Get it all together so that when I come by, I can grab it and take it on with me. This is a routine work day. This is not a religious service of passing the offering plate and dropping a few coins in the offering. That's not what this is talking about. This is major work taking place on the first day of the week. This is a plan. This is famine relief. These are, this is sweat, you know, of the brow here. Or, you know, this is, this is getting together and gathering food stuff and laying it by in store and having it ready so that I can come by and pick it up. Uh, I worship a God that says, I don't change. I change not. Isn't that nice to know that God doesn't change? And, sh and surely he wouldn't change the day of worship, would he? Well, he just said, I don't change. Okay? So God doesn't change. All right. Excuses for not keeping the Sabbath. I almost left this one out. Someone reminded me that I need to include this one. Colossians 2 and verse 16. It says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Now, I don't know why people will take this as an argument against the Sabbath day. I mean, let me ask you, is someone judging you because you observe the first work day of the week? You go to church on Sunday, you touch bases with the Lord for about 45 minutes, and you go home and do whatever you want to do. Is someone judging you because you're observing the first work day of the week? Is someone observing you, uh, uh, judging you because you keep Christmas and Easter and Halloween and April Fool's Day? Well, I doubt it. But you see, people do judge me all the time because of these things. In other words, if you don't observe this, it's not talking to you. This verse says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath day. It's only talking to people who keep these things. And it's saying, don't let anyone judge you for doing so. I get judged all the time for keeping the dietary laws and what I eat. I don't eat certain things like pork. And people will say, well, what are, you, what are you, a Jew or something? That's good meat. That fat back, you know, that's, you know, the lard did away with all that. You know, they call Jesus the, the lard. 
like it's a piece of fatback meat or something. You know, the Lord nailed that to the cross. You don't have to keep those dietary laws. People judge me all the time for keeping the Sabbath day. Well, that's mosaic. That's for Israel only. That's for the Jews. You don't have to keep the Sabbath day. The people judge me all the time for keeping the holy days. Well, what kind of days are they? I've never heard of the Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Unleavened Bread. What kind of crazy religion do you have? Yeah, I get judged all the time for observing these things. And, and, and the Word of God says, don't let anyone judge you because you are doing these things. What I'm saying is, if you're not doing these things, it's not even talking to you. It's talking to the ones who do observe the Sabbath day, the holy days, the dietary laws. Well, let's notice what it says in the next verse, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. You mean to tell me these things are a shadow of things to come? Well, obviously people are not. Our society does not recognize this, this truth today, these truths. I mean, they are a shadow of things to come. I mean, we're, we're living in a Sunday-keeping world. We're living in a world that is geared up for Sabbath-breaking. I mean, Saturday is the biggest day of people's lives. I mean, they're shopping, they're going here, they're going there. This is not a society that observes the holy days. It's a society that observes the pagan holidays. It's not a society that keeps the dietary laws. These are a shadow of things to come. You know, if you've got a tree casting a shadow, big, wide, you know, big old oak tree casting a shadow, and you start, you know, you start following that shadow, and it narrows down, and eventually you'll bump right into the tree. These are a shadow of things to come. Now, how can I say that? How can I say that these things are a shadow of things to come? Well, let me illustrate that for you. Isaiah 66 and verse 23, and it shall come to pass. Now, get the picture. This is millennial setting. Christ is returning to his throne. He is setting up his government, his kingdom on this earth. This is a reference to the 1,000 year millennial reign of Christ on this earth. And it says this, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh uh-oh, guess what? All flesh includes you. Shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Yeah, it's a shadow of things to come. The Sabbath is a shadow of things to come. When Christ sets up his kingdom, people are going to be keeping the Sabbath. All flesh. Okay? Well, what about the holy days? Are they a shadow of things to come? Well, let's notice Zechariah 14 and verse 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all nations. Now, now, wait a minute. This is millennial setting. This is the kingdom of God. Christ has returned. He's setting up his government on this earth. And it says, it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. Yes, it's a shadow of things to come. And while we're on the subject, let's deal with the dietary laws. Are they a shadow of things to come also? Again, this verse, Isaiah 66 and verse 17, is millennial setting. Christ returns with vengeance. 
in anger with wrath. And this is what he's going to do. It says, they that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the mist, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, says the Lord. Oh, yeah. It's a shadow of things to come. You know, one day you're going to bump into God's truth. Like right now. Okay, excuses for not keeping the Sabbath. This next one has been quoted by uh, men like uh, David Jeremiah, Charles Stanley. And the concept of how to state it goes something like this. Jesus fulfilled the law, but he reinstated nine of the Ten Commandments. In other words, he sort of, you know, yeah, the law's been abolished or it's been fulfilled or whatever, but Jesus reinstated nine of the Ten Commandments. Now, guess which one he left out? Uh, you got it. He left out the fourth one. He didn't reinstate the Sabbath day. Now, the logic, if you can even, if I should even say that, the logic is not logic, but the logic of this kind of reasoning is absolute insanity. Of, now, uh, let's say, okay, if the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. If Jesus didn't reinstate that, would that mean that it's okay for me to commit adultery? If Jesus had not reinstated this, the seventh commandment? If Jesus had not reinstated thou shalt not kill, in his own words or whatever, thou shalt not do no murder, would it be all right for me to go out and kill anybody I wanted to? You see, this is what I mean by the, 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 the idiotic logic of this kind of reasoning. It doesn't make any sense at all. You know, Jesus did say in Matthew 12 and verse 8, he said, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. So what day is the Lord's day? Well, Jesus said it's the Sabbath day. Sunday is the first work day of the week. And Jesus said he's Lord of the Sabbath day. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse 12, he says, How much more then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath day? And so he illustrated by healing people that it was, it was okay to do good, to heal on the Sabbath day. You know, to take care of your animals or whatever on the Sabbath day, to water them, to feed them. I mean, here are instructions from Jesus about the Sabbath. Not about Sunday, but about the Sabbath. Mark 2 and verse 22, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is a great blessing for man, Jesus says. Uh, Matthew 24 and verse 20, but pray ye that your flight not be in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Here are some more instructions about the Sabbath day. Okay, but he forgot to tell us. You shouldn't be keeping it, right? He forgot to tell us. You shouldn't be keeping it. You know, in Acts 13 and verse 42, says this. It says, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles, notice this, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached unto them, unto them the next Sabbath. And the next Sabbath, notice verse 44. <coughs> Acts 13 and verse 44. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Now these were Gentiles, by the way, they wanted to hear more about, you know, the words of God. And, and think about it. Why didn't Paul just say, oh, you don't have to wait until next Sabbath. Just come back tomorrow. It's Sunday. It's the Lord's day. 
Why didn't Paul correct them? Oh, I know, Paul didn't get the memo that Jesus didn't reinstate the Sabbath day. Okay, excuses for not keeping the Sabbath. Now, if you tell someone, you know, I keep the Sabbath day, or if, if you, if you, you know, well, if you tell someone, okay, I keep the fourth commandment, the seventh day of the week, one of the things you're going to hear is, well, you know, Paul said not to frustrate the grace of God. Not, what, what was that? Well, you know, Paul said not to frustrate the grace of God. Well, what's that got to do with me keeping the fourth commandment? Well, you know, I, but this is one of the excuses. Now, let's take a look at it. Galatians 2 and verse 21. Paul said, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. What they're accusing you of is works of the law because you keep the fourth commandment. They're saying you're trying to get salvation by works of the law. That's what they're saying by frustrating the grace of God. Now, let me ask you a question. If, if you are faithful to your wife, you are keeping the seventh commandment, by the way, if you do that. But if you're faithful to your wife, do you feel like you're frustrating the grace of God? If you don't steal from your employer, you are keeping the Eighth Commandment, by the way, if you do that. Do you feel like you're frustrating the grace of God if you do that? Now, let, let's go one step further. Do you feel like you're, by, keeping the, by, by, not, by being faithful to your wife and not stealing, do you feel like you're trying to earn your salvation by doing that? Well, nonsense. Of course not. You're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. That's the reason you do it. You're not trying to earn anything. So when I keep the fourth commandment, it's the same story, buddy. I'm not trying to earn or salvation or anything like that. But, but by the way, it is the fourth commandment. You do know that, don't you? Exodus 20 and verse 9. Let's take a look at that. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it you shall not do any work. It is the fourth commandment. You know what really frustrates me, and I think it frustrates God also? It is all the people, it is people's unwillingness to just, just be honest with themselves and say, God, I don't want to keep your Sabbath day. I don't want to do it. That is frustrating. The lack of honesty is very frustrating to me. And... It's frustrating to God also. Does it matter which day you worship God on? The fourth commandment says, Six days shall you labor, but the seventh day of the week is God's Sabbath day. For nearly 2,000 years, people have disagreed about which day, Saturday or Sunday, is the Christian day of weekly worship. Is this an important issue or does it really matter when the Christian performs his worship activities? The crux of the matter is simply this. Who are you obeying when you present yourself before God to worship Him? Get the facts by ordering Sunday Worship, How Sunday Worship Really Came About. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.
If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. One of the hardest areas to admit that we've been lied to is the Bible. Yet the truth is, you have been lied to about the Bible. Just think about some of the assumptions that are out there about religion. Now, here are just a few. Jesus abolished the law. Jesus went to church on Sunday. Jesus celebrated Christmas. Jesus celebrated Easter. Man has an immortal soul. Lost people go to hell and burn forever. Saved people go to heaven. Today is the only day of salvation. These are all areas that we assume to be absolute truth, yet they're not absolute truth. All of these statements are lies. We've built our faith on assumptions. Now the real question is this. Did Jesus build his church on a foundation of lies? And if the answer to that question is no, then somebody has to be wrong. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.